Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days per year. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. I'm Tom. Happy September, guys. Yay! Oh, it's a burr month. I'm so excited. And it's actually not blazingly hot here, but I watched the news last night and it is blazingly hot there in New York City. Oh my God. It's been (laughs) miserable the past few days. I'm totally ready for fall weather. I mean, it is comfortable here. It was nice today. Our highs this weekend are in the mid mid to high 70s. I know. Crazy oh, town. I'm jealous. It's like the twilight zone. <laughs> <laughs> we walked down to the park earlier after work and like it's a quarter mile walk and like I was boiling by the time I got there. Yeah. What's the temperature was, there? Uh, today it was mid to high 90s. Oh, pfft. <laughs> <laughs> It's a heat wave for them. That's a that's a good July day here or a good August day. <laughs> <laughs> so how's everybody's week? It's been good. Has Same been good. Here. I'm all for a three day weekend. Me too. Julia and the the Julia household and the Tom household have been doing projects over Labor Day weekend or over Labor Day. I should say we did ours on Labor Day. What were your projects? Um, I painted. Well, I tore out carpet out of a closet that had a flood, and I paid, oh. and I painted the the walls. And I love to paint. I love it. Anytime you need an outlet, you're welcome to come over. <laughs> I mean, I like I seriously, it's like therapy. Painting a room is like therapy for me. I love it. We've been decluttering our lives, so a bunch of crap has been packed up to sell and put in store, and or put in storage, and. It's a lot emptier now in the Caruso household. For just a few weeks, and then you're going to start busting out the Christmas stuff, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. Basically, from October to December to January, like, yeah, between all the different (laughs) holidays, it goes nuts. That's what Christine spent Labor Day doing, decluttering and getting rid of crap that we don't need. Such a first world problem. It really is. (laughs) I have too much stuff. (laughs) I have too much stuff. Take it off my hands. (laughs) So, we are continuing Literary Month this week by uh, discussing the 2017 Hallmark film, The Christmas Train, based on David Baldacci's novel of the same name. So, Tom, do you want to give us a plot synopsis? A cynical journalist decides to take a train from Washington, D.C. to Los Angeles for Christmas to get inspiration for a story in honor of his late father. While aboard, he gets to know the other passengers and runs into an old flame. There sounded like there's a lot of venom in that reading, Tom. So why don't you kick us off with your history? Where'd the where'd we get this plot synopsis? Google. It's a crappy plot synopsis. Crude take on the <laughs> plot synopsis. <laughs> it's a really, really bad plot synopsis, Google. You let me down. Um, so I was reading this book. For the first time? For the first time and trying to, I listened to the audiobook at Julia's um, suggestion and I tried watching it a few times, but it, it wasn't that I didn't want to watch it. It's that I kept getting interrupted. Well, I finally finished watching it and I decided I was done. I was not reading the book and I want nothing more to do with this <laughs> ever again. <laughs> Julia, what's your history with both? <laughs> Um, okay, so when this movie came out last year, last Christmas season, um, I was super excited about it, but never got around to it. We even DVR'd it, but then it got deleted because of everything else. So I still hadn't seen it. And then we decided on literary month. So I picked up the audiobook and I listened to it and it was fun. Uh, and then watched the movie yesterday. 
Um, and I have a lot I like about this movie and I have some stuff I don't like about this movie and this book. So this movie and book fell on my radar last year when I saw the promo for the movie on Hallmark and then, um, longtime faithful listener disco 54 commented on Reddit that this is one of his favorite Christmas books ever. So he suggested reading it. So I did last year after seeing the movie and, uh, after reading skipping Christmas at Tom's recommendation. And, uh, I don't know if it was because I was in the midst of the Christmas season or it was just after Christmas, maybe, but I really enjoyed the book and the movie. But after rereading the book for today's episode, I can safely say I like the movie a lot more than the book. (laughs) I I think the movie trimmed out a lot of the excess fat that the book had. I don't know if you guys agree with that, but we'll get to that in a few moments. But But both are... I mean, I enjoy. I enjoyed both. I just prefer the movie. I think both are, um, you know, typical Hallmark fluff. I think you the word said, contrived. Do you mean is the word you're looking for? <laughs> I think Julia said earlier in Slack, in our Slack chat, and which purposely summed it up in my mind. If ever a book was written to be adapted to the Hallmark movie, it was The Christmas Train, and I completely agree with it. But before we delve further into before we, go on our, before we go on our train ride tonight? <laughs> before we go on our train ride, which is unfortunately not going to Hogwarts this week. Why oh, don't we? <laughs> uh, speaking of which, I did that a lot over the Labor Day weekend. They kept playing the Harry Potter movies on TV, so I kept tuning in and watching those. But. Where on TV? Because They're on USA and Sci-Fi now. Yeah, oh. Freeform lost the right. Yeah, that bums me out every time I think about it. But they still have the deleted scenes edited in. That's good. <laughs> but uh, The Christmas Train. So it was directed by Ron Oliver, who did a lot of made-for-TV movies, including a few Christmas ones. Uh, he just wrapped filming of Granddaddy Daycare, which I assume is a sequel to Daddy Daycare. Boy, um, I love Daddy Daycare. That's one of my favorite like toss-away movies. I freaking love that movie. Really? Yes. It was, it was I cute. love Steve Zahn and I love the kids in it and it cracks me up every time I see it. I've never seen it. It's so funny. I mean, it is what it is, right? It's an Eddie Murphy movie, yep. but I really like that movie. Besides the those movies, though, he's done a lot of TV. He did Are You Afraid of the Dark, The New Addams Family, Goosebumps, Animorphs, Degrassi, basically all your hit 80s and 90s shows if you grew up during those times. Um, well, kind of like younger target ages too for these right Right. like preteens and stuff which kind of surprises me because this movie doesn't feel preteen i can say that for it so that's impressive that he can jump out of that i thought you were going to say isn't good (laughs) (laughs) what this movie isn't good yeah i'm ready to get on it man i'm (laughs) I'm chomping at the bit here to discuss (laughs) this movie we need a running count of how many times tom says pedantic tonight I could see it just on the tip of his tongue. <laughs> uh, the movie was written by Neil H. Dabrowski and Tippy Dabrowski, and they don't have much to their name, just a bunch of made-for-TV movies. The cast is pretty good for a homework film. Uh, it stars Dermot Mulroney as Tom Langdon, uh, who's been in a bunch of stuff. He's been in Friends, My Best Friend's Wedding, Angels in the Outfield, Young Ooh. Guns. I love that movie. Angels in the Outfield? Yes. I love that movie, too. New Girl. He's been in New Girl. Yep. He's also in another Christmas movie. I am stinking excited to get on our list, The Family Stone. He is. I love that movie. Spoiler alert, one of my favorite movies. Wasn't he also in the sequel to a movie we did, North Pole 2? He is. (laughs) Yes. Dude, did you just get more excited about North Pole 2 than The Family Stone? (laughs) I really like the North Pole movie. <laughs> no uh, shame. <laughs> uh, this movie also stars Kimberly Williams Paisley as Eleanor Carter. She's in the Father of the Bride movies, according to Jim, Nashville, and Two and a Half Men. Love her. Get, yeah, she's in Two I and a Half Men. I didn't know that. Hmm. She, I think she's so cute. Yeah, I really I, like her. 
love Christine and I love the show according to Jim. Like that was a family favorite. Me yes. too. And she was my favorite character on that show. Oh, I could yeah. I don't know that I could pick a favorite. I loved all that that whole show was just great. Yeah, it was great. And we'll get Jim on our show when we can cover Jingle All the Way. So I'm pretty <laughs> stoked about that too. <laughs> the bootleg mall <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh danny glover plays max powers uh he's been in too much to list but lethal weapon the color purple angels in the outfield (laughs) saw operation dumbo drop to sleep with anger he was in saw he was in saw i have not watched any of those movies the first one he was he's one of the detectives interesting is he one of is he one of the many people who makes the line i'm getting too old for this (laughs) yes yeah. Yes, that's that's what I think of every time I think of him. Is I'm getting too old for this, <laughs> and I didn't know if it was actually him or he just has plays that that character. Oh no, it's him. And, and then him. and then Santa steals that line in Elf when he's flying the sleigh through Central Park. <laughs> uh, we have Joan Cusack, who I love, and uh, she plays Agnes, and she was in Working Girl and Now. She was on SNL, Shameless. She was in Toy Story, The Addams Family Values. Etc. Etc. Et she makes a mess of people's booths and walks away and leaves it. Oh yeah. In Real Chicago, life experience with celebrities. Just so you know. The disappointed know. version. Yep. Her brother, <laughs> however, I imagine is delightful. Uh, I, I don't. Really, oh. I don't like him. You don't like John Cusack? What's no. wrong with you? I think. I think like he play. He's so one note, which I know is Ooh. weird because Joan Cusack tends His to play the same character so too. <laughs> Oh, I love John Cusack. I mean, High Fidelity is like one of the best movies ever. We have Holly Orissa (laughs) moving on from John Cusack. (laughs) (laughs) We have Holly Elissa, and she plays, how do you say her name? Lelia? Lelia. 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 One of the most uncomfortable words to read and listen to, by the way. Lelia. Terrible uh, name. She had, this actress has been in a lot. She's been in Supernatural and The Whistler. And I made note of Supernatural because we're covering that on our show later this year. Mm-hmm. Kirsten Zinn plays Julie. And she was on Dear White People, Kyle XY, and The Lion Game. Anthony Konechny, Konechny plays Steve. And he was in X-Men Apocalypse, Fifty Shades of Grey, Witches of East End, and Almost Human. Who was he in X-Men? Uh, I have no clue. Is he an X-Man? I assume he was a mutant, but when I saw that credit, I was like, oh, I don't recognize you. You must have been one of the ones who didn't talk. (laughs) Terrence Kelly plays Higgins, and he's just had a lot of bit roles in movies and TV shows. And Karen Holness plays Misty, and she was in Fringe, Cashing In, Make It Pop, J-Pod, and Chicago. All right, all right. So, Tom, I can tell you're chomping at the bit. So why don't you kick off this discussion? What do you want to cover first? The book we'll cover we can cover them simultaneously, but So I, let's talk let's talk changes from the book to the movie. What worked for you guys and what didn't? How's that? They cut out all the pointless interviews with a bunch of characters who didn't matter in the end, which I loved. <laughs> I did not like the um, combining of characters. I had an image in my head and wanted to see what Christabel was going to look like. <laughs> yeah, I wanted him also in the movie, and that bummed me out. He wasn't. And I also missed the masseuse bit. Oh, I thought that oh. was very funny with Lelia. Where he, where he talks about his, his girlfriend <laughs> having communicative diseases. Yes. <laughs> I'm super that bummed re- that was left out. Really funny. That was funny. I liked that. I liked Agnes in the movie better than I did in the book. And I think that's because of Joan Cusack. I think she played her a little less brash than she was in the book. A lot less brash. She was just kind of quirky in the movie. Yeah. yeah she, and she wasn't, she wasn't morbidly obese. No. Yeah. And I really missed where she knocks him on his rear end. I did too. Hairs. Tom had it coming. I miss her, like the seductiveness, her attempt to be seductive of Tom. <laughs> yeah me too i did not like the priest train conductor combination in the movie how they combined him down to one character mm-hmm. i was also sad that we did not see black elvis <laughs> yeah so, so why don't why don't we put in a bit of disco 54's comments here because he loves the book and he thought he thinks the movie did as well as it could for a made for tv movie adapting the book he said he would like to see a mini series one day 
but he d- didn't picture Danny Glover as Max Powers. He no. always pictured a I Danny DeVito esque, like short, stocky, you know, kind of more rough around the edges guy as Max Powers. Absolutely. And he pi- he said Danny Glover would have been perfect for the role of Higgins, which I okay. can see that. I can but- see that. Yeah, yeah, I totally expected. A- Did they ever say if Max was a New Yorker or is he from LA? I think he's from LA. LA. I one hundred percent pictured a new yorker like what's that supposed to mean no in a great way (laughs) like a fast talking right but not an la fast talker where he's very schmoozy but like i'm getting what i want when i want it but in a nice new york way not in an la way i would much rather have the new york way than the la way that's how i pictured him when i listened to the book i like danny glover in the role though i honestly did i like danny glover though we had dramatically different interps here guys I was picturing like an Andy Dick. Oh, really? <laughs> I really did. Like, oh, just there's some nothing sort of likable about him, though. Something weird and eccentric, and just and, and I hate Max Powers. <laughs> and also, the name is like oh, your typical LA movie producer super type yeah. cheesy, super yeah. cheesy. I mean, he might as well just have been a superhero with the name Max Powers. I mean, Max it sounds Powers. like the guy who changed his name to make it in LA, <laughs> right? Oh, maybe that's the point. Like Nick Cage. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Having said that, I think Dermot Mulroney and Kimberly Williams Paisley were very well cast. He so <laughs> watching the movie, like I like Dermot Mulroney. Uh, he's acted in things and done very well. He may not be the best actor in the world, but I feel like this was so written so below his ability that he was like painted into a corner in a room, time acting his way out of it. Absolutely. I think Kimberly did a lot better job, but him like he's beautiful to look at and the gray hair was just great and it you know he's a silver fox so i can watch him all day but the way i described Dermot Mulroney to my wife when we see him in a movie is he's a in my opinion i like him don't get me wrong but he when i see him especially in a mainstream movie i'm like he's a b-list actor who somehow worms his way into all these a-list productions <laughs> that's, that's how i view him that's pretty accurate yeah. yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> was he on Will and Grace? He seems like he would have been on Will and Grace. He does seem like he would have been on Will and Grace, doesn't he? <laughs> um, last week, you, com- you, you not complained, but you opined, Anthony, about um, Luther's character in the book being too, what was your wording? Do you remember? Bland. Too bland. I found him to be so one note in the book. I was beyond ability to sympathize with the main character. Langdon in the book versus yes. Langdon in the movie are both were the same in uh, different mediums. Langdon in, well, in the movie, he was just boring. Yeah. I would have to say he was unsuffer- insufferable in the book. He was just an didn't, awful person. Yeah. Well, I, I liked his attitude more in the book. He was sassier. There was a lot more spice to him in the book, and I appreciated that. Um, I liked the book Langdon better than the movie. But when I was listening to the book, I was picturing Dermot and all of his cuteness as the movie character, so that maybe helped a little bit. <laughs> um, Dermot could pull off like the sassiness, movie. too. Like, it sucks that they didn't give him that ability. I, I think that's the hallmark effect, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, he could have pulled it off. He was just so smiley all the time and good-natured so, in the movie. <laughs> yeah. And you smile a lot for being in this situation. So Eleanor is supposed to be this like intelligent, bright, gifted writer. And yet I just see her like he's asking her and she's like the gives the I mean it was just awful on his on the writer's part on a uh Balducci's part the whole uh uh well if you don't know i'm not going to tell you attitude that she had about why she left him was just ridiculous and cliche too i hate that it was not what you would expect from an intelligent well learned successful writer nope not at all also let's skip to the end with this big reveal where we find out that max powers manipulated all these events hired actors to uh bring these two people back together basically these two people are described as great writers <laughs> don't you think <laughs> they could, should have been able to figure it out 
<laughs> well, with especially being investigative journalists, <laughs> right? Who, who did time in like war zones? So the the book, the movie, in the movie, it was so unbelievably obvious what was happening, yeah. and I didn't think it was possible that that was what was going to happen. Yeah. Right. I'm like, come on, this is too cheesy. This is too hokey because I hadn't finished the book yet. <laughs> Well, and in the book, it's not obvious in the book. <laughs> then when I finished the the movie, I'm like, I am not reading this book. This is a stupid ending. I didn't mind it, though. I thought it was perfect amount of schmaltz for Hallmark. Oh, schmaltz. I can't do that much schmaltz. I really can't. It's like, and everybody's just suddenly okay with the fact that they've been mastermind and played and no. Okay, so, so after you made that criticism in Slack earlier, I was I was trying to think about it, right? Like, if this woman was, like, my great love, right? The one who got away. And all of a sudden, we reconnected on the train. I don't know if I would be too upset, even if I found out we were manipulated to be tried to bring back together. I don't know if I would be. Well, and that's the point, right? Is they're also grateful at that point to mm-hmm. be brought back together, regardless of the reason that they gloss over it? I don't buy it. But I liked I, – I, I liked the ending a lot more in the book than I did in the movie because I didn't like in the movie that it was so obvious that they were doing that, you know, right. because they didn't let those things slip in the book. You really are quote surprised at the end when you find out it was mostly orchestrated. Poss- partially because it's such a ridiculous plot. <laughs> no, you don't know- see it coming because it's a really stupid way, stupid and immature way to write a book. You know what bothered me about the book more than that plot point? The whole avalanche thing where they went out into the snow on skis to save the day. I'm sorry. They're journalists. I'm not going to – I can't see Rachel Maddow going out on skis and saving a train that, you know, gets stuck inside of a mountain. I I can't. Well, well, they were – these are actual real journalists. That was a stab at Rachel Maddow. Okay, so in, the, so, <laughs> oh, she's in just, the book, it's like they as, flip a switch, it's like where the tone changes in the book. You're all happy and it's gorgeous. And then, yeah, they get smacked between this avalanche and then like they're dangling on the precipice of being knocked off the side of the mountain. People are almost about to st- like the food runs out and then they have to get out of the train and go into the elements into the tunnel while these two people trek. I was like, here's two different books. I'm not sure what just happened. He must have, he must have watched a very Brady Christmas for instance. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, <laughs> it was not a good story there. That was just. Mm. I was glad they didn't I did do read the, the almost die part in the movie. Right. It doesn't fit at all. So I was glad that it wasn't the, what, 10 feet from the front of the resort. They're huddled up together in the snow and thinking each other's going to die. And then. So, so you got the, that schmaltzy in the book. Oh yeah, that's what happens. I did not read that much. Oh yeah, yeah. They're in an all-out blizzard, and they're huddled together for warmth. And when it clears, they're like literally ten steps from the front of the place. Because you know, I mean, we've got cell phones and and a lot of technology at this point. Nobody's going to figure out. Nobody in the train company is going to figure out that you know they're trapped. This is never going to come up. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they're just doomed. Well, yeah, it was just timing. They kept saying timing because I'm sitting there going, I'm pretty sure they could just sit tight for a little bit longer. Right. I don't think any Americans, I don't think most Americans are going to starve waiting a day or two for food. And another thing that really annoyed me about the book, and here is the first use of it, Julia, the pedantic train (laughs) facts that just keep on coming. I hated that too. I did hate that. It was not believable. the train facts. It was not... (laughs) It was not believable of Tom to just randomly start talking to people with like a like an annoying kid in a Christmas movie, you know, who knows everything about trains. That's really what it started to feel like to me. So talking about the trains annoyed me. But for all the books and the movies flaws, the idea of just this cozy Christmas train traveling across the country, I liked it. I liked that aspect. I loved it. I did, That's I, probably why I like the train tidbit so much because by the end of the book and then into the movie, I 
I want to go on a train at Christmas time across the country. I think that would be super stinking awesome. I Me would too. have a lot of fun. So and you and you can say what you want about the movie, but I thought the movie's atmosphere, they put me in the mood. I thought the train looked beautiful and the snow and everything. Yes. Yeah, even the fake snow. I mm-hmm. loved the atmosphere in the movie. It was about it was probably my favorite Hallmark atmosphere I've seen. Yep. So Cynical Tom is going to come out and if you're on that train, you're probably going to be sitting next to the guy who pees on the who pees on himself because <laughs> that's what trains and buses are like. They are not these glorious romantic but they have trains like this cuz after the movie I googled it, they're specially trained. Like this one yeah. wasn't supposed to be no this was supposed to be an amtrak train right right but you can book those special vacation type trains like this one that's what i want to go on like the one that goes across the northern uh, the border of canada and uh, during the fall i want to see that yeah i want to do that that sounds like fun that sounds like fun to me too put me on a train there's something about a train (laughs) i heard that line one more time in this movie there's something about a train You know, it's it's there's I find a little bit of humorous irony in Tom uh, <laughs> complaining about repetition when Pete's Christmas was the Groundhog Day from Hell, and he kept getting the same lines and scenes over and over and over again. Um, I felt you know how that kid would say that stupid line about the train every morning. Nothing stops at 7.30 a.m. express train. <laughs> I felt like that was, like that was, in Peach Christmas, that was obvious. That was intentional. I felt like they were unintentionally doing that multiple times in this film. Okay, so, you know, I loved, let's just go into scenes we like in the movie and stuff too. I loved the scene where it was one of the stops. I think they crash a wedding or a party or something and they're dancing. Loved it. Yes. Oh, loved so it. Where, there's, where he's like, I'm going to need, uh, I'm going to need your names. And they just hand him the, the champagne flutes and run out. Yeah. yeah. I love that whole interaction between Tom and Eleanor. Mm-hmm. And Me too. Chicago? I don't know. Maybe. I uh, maybe. when they stopped in Chicago. It looked beautiful wherever it was. The yeah. tree. Yep. It was perfect. I think, we I-, can, I think we can all agree at this point as we're discussing every flipping scene in this movie was spot on for Christmas feels. Mm-hmm. Right. And every- I will give... Credit to the director who doesn't have a lot of um, notable stuff to his name. I thought it was shot very well, the whole movie. Not just yeah. with the Christmas feels. I felt it was very, for a Hallmark movie, especially cinematic for a Hallmark movie. If, yeah, I, put it on mute, if I put it on mute, <laughs> I could have believed I was watching a, a, a big production, high-budget film. <laughs> <laughs> I liked they kept the chess part that they did in the book. I liked that. That made me happy. Although I, I anticipated Ellie in the book being a lot more vicious in that scene. I liked her in the book more than in the movie. Um, but I thought they kept the scene. Talk about casting the perfectly smarmy actor to put her, pit her yeah. against like, Oh, that face. Yeah. I just yeah. want to, that's yeah. what you, that's the face you saw when you read the book. Wasn't it? It yeah, was. Absolutely. Yeah. That was spot um, on. I liked the book a lot more, and and again, you're you're dealing with, and and I will give the the movie its credit and and say this, in the book, Ellie is the one that goes to do to goes to play that decides to, she's going to bring this chess guy down, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it took Tom a minute to remember the whole scene, and I liked that a little bit more, a lot than did, more than I did in the movie where she was like coerced and. Um, I think they still could have done the same thing though with Ellie jumping in and she could have just said, uh, remember the rabbi or something even as cheesy as that. And he could have still had that same conversation. Yeah. But I liked the confident, stronger Ellie that we had in the book more so than this. Me too. Me Me three. And it bugged the crap out of me that, that Langdon was wearing nice clothes when he was the groomsman, but she was in jeans and, like, she was wearing these nice clothes earlier in the movie, but she was up there in jeans as the maid of honor. That drove me crazy. Like, you right. couldn't wear your nice clothes from earlier two scenes ago? <laughs> so so what do we think of those characters who were clearly hired by Max Power to put on this fake love story or whatever? So if it was if they were paid, I think casting them more true to the book would have been a lot better. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. It had been more, I mean, she had been this almost, uh, she's country. She was almost a caricature mm-hmm. of hill folk, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, in the book, uh, in the movie, their differences didn't seem that it didn't seem as uh, that rift didn't seem as big. Mm-mm. So I hated the character of his girlfriend. What's her name again? Laylia. Laylia. Laylia, because she was, and this is a problem indicative of a lot of Hallmark movies. Your stereotypical uh, high maintenance uh, witchy girlfriend, mm. like literally flew halfway out across the country to hop on the train just to keep close eye on him like mm-hmm. that made me roll my eyes in the book and the movie like come on mm-hmm. i was really disappointed when she showed up i know what i know what the author was going for but no i i didn't like that at all Mm-mm. no especially that that was not in keeping with her character at all either that was out of character from everything that had been built up about her um one thing i didn't also just this is a general story movie book that i have a problem with two things one Laylee is just suddenly okay with the fact that Max Powers wants her to come out and help her boyfriend reconnect with his true love. Odd. Really weird. Um, I I think we're supposed to maybe imply, it's kind of hinted at, but we're supposed to understand that she's doing it to get a role in one of his movies, maybe? I think that was what they were going for, yeah. But still very weird. Terrible. And the really bad way, I I didn't read this part in the book, but the really awful way they redeem Tom you know, Tom and Eleanor kiss while he's still with Layla. And the way we suddenly redeem this, this act of infidelity and betrayal is, oh, it's okay. She was cheating on him anyway. Like, no, the guy just did something wrong and, and we're going to gloss over it. I mean, he should have, I, I think it would have been more, I think it would have been more in Tom's character with Lelia there to have ended things first. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially in the movie. That's yeah. what I mean. In the movie, it just seemed, he just seemed... I don't know about the book, but in the movie, he just seemed like a, it just seemed ski, skeezy. And then they're like, oh, but it's okay, because she was cheating on him anyway. Yeah. And so they barely touched it in, in the movie. They had a few scenes with them, but I love the stuff in the book with the boys' choir and how they were kind of being yeah. uh, babysat by the conductor woman. Yep. It was um, really cool. And when I we mean, did see the boys' choir and we heard them sing in the, uh, in the station, it was beautiful. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was Silent Night, right? Was that so. what they were singing? Yeah. I think so. So what did you guys think of Agnes' whole subplot and storyline? It was a lot better in the book. It I was agree. a lot better in the book. It was so schmaltzy at the end when she gets off the train. and oh. Mom! <laughs> I'm so sorry, Mom. I missed you. If, if they could have combined the quirkiness of Joan Cusack with how she was written in the book, mm-hmm. I would have liked that a lot more. I would have liked it if the, the quirkiness of Joan Cusack was toned down a bit. Really? I liked Joan. It was over the top for me. It is distracting to a certain point. It was. Like there were several scenes. her in like a lot of stuff, though. I mean, it is, yeah. But I would have appreciated the quirkiness from Working Girl. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Where she's still quirky, but like still human. Mm-hmm. A little bit, you know? And I like her, so I'm on your side. But yeah, it was a little distracting in this one. Probably because the dialogue was so lacking that there was nothing to fill the space except beautiful atmosphere. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There was a lot less focus on uh, the delays of the train in the movie from the book. I don't know that I have a problem with it, but just an observation. He was Mm, much more... A lot less. A lot less. The whole thing was like, oh, he's lying to her about where they are. Yeah, anyway. There's a lot less focus on the mystery aspect from the book too, like who was stealing all these things. Mm-hmm. They didn't play that up nearly as much in the movie as they did in the book, but I had no problem with that. I could have done without that whole subplot anyway. I don't know why it was yeah. there. Like, what? Were, yeah. Did you guys? Did you guys have any takeaway from that? Because I didn't. Only that. Hey, Agnes was this really beefy, annoying woman was actually an undercover cop the whole time. That okay. was my only takeaway. Which, but there's that. That doesn't add anything to the story. I no, know I know. I, know I, I, I on that front. I'm not correcting you, but. I, I feel like he did it as like a uh, character thing and it just fell flat to me. I think and the, the whole like theft on the plane seemed so he was trying to evoke a film from a by a film or a book from a bygone era. Like you murder know, on the Orient Express. Yeah. Well, he even talked about it with um, Tom's character, how uh, there's always a, there's always a, a thief on the, on these trains, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it was a very, um, he was very self-aware. He made 
his character is a little too self-aware of my life. <laughs> a little too self-aware about how pedantic he was. Number two. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> the writing too, to me. I'm sorry. The writing was just, I don't know. I've never read anything else I by mean, him. I was just ah. about to ask. I've never either. Have you read anything else by nope. him, Anthony? No. So I compare it to like a beach read. You know, you have mindless reads where it's kind of nice to just veg or listen if you listen to Audible that you can just kind of brain out and you don't have to focus on it. You let it wash over you just like a Hallmark movie, right? I mean, I read the Twilight series. I read every single one of those books and they're not well written at all, but I enjoyed the stories. Me too. Sad I was to hooked say. all the way through. I don't, it's, I mean, it's the difference of reading uh, that versus reading like Harry Potter where you are immersed in it and you, you're being fed as well as reading instead of just consuming. That's my problem is I don't have a concept of that. Oh, that's, see, I do. I do that's too. Totally not my thing. Yeah. So, so I just want to clarify something because I said me too. I read the Twilight books. I didn't like them. Oh, <laughs> but, oh I enjoyed them. But I, I wait, read wait, them. Wait, 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 wait. Let's give it a second. Okay, I was waiting for Sarah to correct. <laughs> that, that that was the moment I expected. Her to, I expected her to jump in and be like, "You also read Fifty Shades of Grey." You did not. You read Fifty Shades of Grey. It was a pop culture phenomenon for a year. Oh, I wouldn't touch that thing with a ten foot pole. Anyway, I think you get a funny <laughs> just reading it. <laughs> back to what you were saying, Julia, about <laughs> I draw not, the line at smut. Back to what you were saying though about being a mindless read. Mm-hmm. So um I find a lot of Christmas books that I've read, a lot of them are very uh hallmarky and kind of those winter equivalents of a beach read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, whatever you would call that, but that's yeah. See, yeah. It's called me, a beach read, but there's got to be. Is it a cabin read? Is it a, a ski, ski slope read? <laughs> a slope read. A fireplace read? I'm I mean, my catalog of Christmas books literally consists of skipping Christmas now, which was so delightfully on a higher level than this one. And I read Christmas Train before I read Skipping Christmas. So it was a very nice breath of fresh air. Um, and then A Christmas Carol. It's literally three books. Oh, me too. Yeah. I loved Chris skipping Christmas a lot more, but I didn't find the writing much better. Sorry. I, like I don't like John Grisham's writing in general. Um, so I read, I read that. I read The Christmas Train. I read The Nine Lives of Christmas. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. That seems uh, like a ski slope read. It's definitely a ski slope okay. read. All right. All right. Much more entertaining than the movie, though, just because you get the cat's perspective. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it makes sense as a title. And it makes sense <laughs> as a title. And I read the short stories that A Christmas Story was based on. But those weren't all Christmassy anyway. But uh, Christmas Carol is definitely in the league of its own. Christmas Carol and uh, The Gift of the Magi, which I know is a short story, but that's in a league of its own too. I see, and I haven't read that yet. Oh, Henry. Yep. (sighs) Oh, oh, Henry. (laughs) (laughs) So you're saying we need better Christmas literature. We we have three writers on this show. The three of us should each write a Christmas book and put three good books out into the world. So the problem is, like, what I think makes that difficult is even skipping Christmas, which I enjoyed, it was perhaps over-the-top attempt at keeping it Christmassy. So, but at what point does it become not a Christmas book anymore? You know what I mean? I I think the difficult thing is Christmas, and I think it's part of the reason we all love Christmas so much, right? We've talked about it before. It's such a happy time of year. People seem happier and nicer, and there are lights and music, and everyone's just in a good mood. And in a novel, you want a little more conflict, right? Yeah. (laughs) No, that's fair. That is completely fair. Yeah. You know, nothing off on a tangent about Christmas Carol, that worked because the main character hated Christmas. And it was his journey to realizing what it was about, right? Mm-hmm. Right. It was the, the, enti- the entire story was conflict, resolution, mm-hmm. one big overarching conflict. And in order to make this book, for example, work, Balducci created all of these sub points of conflict that just ended up getting conflated. They, they didn't mesh together at all. He had like 10 different tones going on. Mm-hmm. And the movie balanced it a lot better by what they cut out and what they left in, but the I don't, like I said, I enjoyed the movie more than the book. I don't know where you two fall on that. There were some things in the book I was liking. I became very frustrated and refused to finish it. What about you, Julia? Um, 
sounded like there was a train in the background, literally at that moment. <laughs> Did you hear that? I think the Polar Express is coming for you. <gasps> like it sounded like it, it was a tunnel with a train going by. <laughs> that was spooky. Um, I think overall I liked the movie better, but there were so many things I liked and didn't like on one side or the other. I feel like it's almost a draw. That's fair. I think I can agree with that. Uh, for me, the, the, some of the missing characters were the hard part that I, that I really. Same, but I think what put it over the top for me was the visuals and it got rid of some of the stuff I didn't like. Yeah. And, and the music they had throughout it was really, really nice. Right. Yeah. I liked about 80% of it. There were two awful songs. One of them I thought Dermot Mulroney was singing, and I'm like, why is he singing? <laughs> Which one? You know the one I'm talking about? It's like kind of like country sounding or something. Wait, is it the one more week till Christmas? Oh, my gosh. Maybe. That was bad. That was, that was really There were like, yeah, really two bad. songs that were terrible. Yeah. But opening up with um, Buble singing Christmas song was like fantastic. Like I was immediately in the mood. Yep. Um, and That's then they said. sprinkled some, yep, and sprinkled some classics throughout it, like sung by the original person that sang that rendition that I liked so much was great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All good things. So. Which was easy to do because you had the, the music playing over the intercom of the train. So that made yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Do you guys have any other favorite scenes? I don't have any quotes, but do you have favorite have scenes? No favorite quotes. I think by the end of the movie, I was chortling at some of the writing. Like, I don't remember what they said in one of the last scenes, but I'm like, I bet you would, you know, like comments like that. And I'm thinking, you know what we really need to do with some of these Hallmark movies is the three of us, like we've said before, somebody said it, multiple of y'all have said it, that we need to watch them together because the snark would be like sky high and it would be so much fun. I agree. I mean, incredibly fun. This one I feel like would have been extra fun. Mm-hmm. So, would you call it a Christmas movie and did it pass the Linus test? It's Bookend definitely movie. a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Where's the Linus moment, though? I would say it failed the Linus test. Yeah, because he realized what... No, and, and he, I don't know that you can attribute what happened to Christmas for him. No, you can't. So. No, you can attribute it to a... But yeah, it was a Christmas movie. Ridiculous manipulator playing with people's hearts and emotions. <laughs> selling out relationships for a book why don't we rank it then and i'm curious to see where it falls amongst all our other hallmark fair that we've covered oh i've got to look at this one's the first time i'm looking yeah me too actually i've got a gut reaction but i want to make sure it aligns with my other rankings i'm gonna give it a 4.3 i think i'm gonna go with a 2.75 i'm going to go with another i'm gonna go six which brings the average to 4.35 which puts it between a very Brady Christmas and Arthur Christmas. Wait, 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 wait. I have to ask. Are we saying, are you both sitting here telling me right now that you believe this movie is better than A Christmas Prince? I, I liked it better. I liked it better too. Gun to your head, you'd rather watch Christmas Train than A Christmas Prince. Yes. Yep. I'm disappointed in you both. <laughs> <laughs> I told you the whole time that not cute enough. <laughs> so if Dermot Mulrooney were the uh, prince, would no, you he... change your opinion? Absolutely. <laughs> hey, when it comes to Hallmark movies, you got to give me a really good looking male lead. And a really cute female lead. For yeah, me. and she's adorable. She I is. I love her. It's another... Um, she, in the similar in a similar vein to Merrily in the Nine Lives of Christmas, like she's a, she's very pretty in the girl next door type of way. You believe her as an actual person, which is part yes. of what makes her so attractive. In my bonafide human. Yep. So uh, that was a fun review. I hope uh, Disco Fifty Four still likes our podcast when he listens to this episode. I think he'll still like two of the two out of the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I just made somebody's naughty list. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I wish I didn't. I wish I didn't hate all the movies our listeners suggest. <laughs> Wait, you are literally three for three. One Magic Christmas, All I Want for Christmas, and the Christmas Train. <laughs> In fairness, I think me and Julia only liked one of those. To begin. And it wasn't One Magic Christmas. <laughs> 
Oh, I gave that. I rated that one way too high. I just saw my numbers on that one, and that was way too high. <laughs> Speaking of movies, did you guys see the final trailer for the Nutcracker and the Four Realms that released today? Not I did yet. not. You posted it though, right? Yeah, you did share it though. We're it being lazy. So good. I'm excited about I'm just, it. I'm a little nervous though because it looks almost a little too Alice in Wonderlandy to me. No, no, you'd be. It like looks a Tim lot Burton. Alice in Wonderlandy. <laughs> like Are Tim you best Burton? realizing that? No, I said that before, but I'm oh, saying okay. like none of the trailers have done anything to dispel that notion to me. Oh, it gives you Anjana. It gives me Anjana. Oh, it does. It does create some Anjana. <laughs> but at least we know the music will be really good because the music in all of these trailers has blown me away. What they've they done with the better nail the music if they, just, if if they ruin the music. <laughs> if you kill, if you kill a Tchaikovsky musical or a ballet here by by ruining the uh, the music, you have you should just phone it in, get another job. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I'm still concerned we haven't got any glimpse that the Mouse King isn't in this movie at all. Is in this movie at all. I thought Helen Mirren is the Mouse King. No, no, no. She's not. She's not. She's okay. Mother Ginger. I don't know who that is. I don't know. They said he's in the movie, so we'll see. Hmm. Maybe he's a surprise. Oh, I will say real quick. Let's flash back to the Christmas train. This is what I was I've forgotten to say. When that the guy that's the bartender, when he's giving first of all, worst Santa ever ever he couldn't have found a nasty beard to put on but two when he asked the kids he's like who wants presents all i could think was admirable what is he what is belschnickel because it was towards the end of the movie and i'm like he's gonna bust out with a whip and start hitting <laughs> admirable isn't that just naughty or nice <laughs> <laughs> So you're making a list and you're checking it twice <laughs> and you're going to find out who's ambitious admirable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, I can't. It was so good. I can't wait to revisit the office for our Halloween episode. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. Oh, but yeah, I would like, I would love to see what you guys think of the newest Nutcracker trailer when you get around to watching it. I will have to do that. And listeners, you guys should all watch it too and let us know what you think on our social medias. And please recommend more movies that Tom will hate. (laughs) I'm so sorry, guys. It's not intentional. (laughs) We we do have one more uh, recommended thing on our schedule this year, I think. The the Supernatural episode is a recommendation. Oh, that'll be cool. That'll be cool. That's a safe place. I think so. I've never watched a single episode of Supernatural, so I'm pretty excited. I feel like you would like it. I mean, I'm like, sure I would as much as I love the X Files. Right, and, and plus, cute boys. I was about to say, plus <laughs> has that. <laughs> is it Padalecki? Is that it's his name? Padalecki and Eccles, Jensen Eccles and Jared. Yeah, Padalecki. I, I liked Padalecki. He was in Friday Night Lights, right? He was in Gilmore Girls. No, he was in Gilmore. Oh, that's right. It's Gilmore, Ooh, Girls. Gilmore Girls. Duh. Dean. Dean. Mm. And ironically, his the, his brother on the show is named Dean in this show. So. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Padalecki. Uh, Jared Padalecki. Oh, Jared. Okay. I thought you were saying Padalecki was his first name. And I went, that's a- <laughs> no. <laughs> like so, so, that's a, Those are some impish parents. <laughs> Sup, Padalecki. <laughs> How could you imagine? <laughs> I may have to name my first kid Padalecki. <laughs> that would be very impish of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man back to the script where were we you were going to encourage people to interact i tried to give you the segue into social media there when i was like let us know what you think on social media okay. yeah let us know what you think on social media for sure we want to hear uh, what you think of our movies reviews of the upcoming movies that we have and uh let us know are there any upcoming christmas movies or uh music releases that you're excited about let us know on Twitter at Tis the Pod, on Facebook and Instagram at Tis the Podcast, or Reddit at Reddit slash R slash Tis the Podcast. It's funny you mention upcoming music releases, Tom, because we have a special Patreon episode planned in which we plan on covering all the new <gasps> we Christmas do. music. We do. We're so smart. We have other bonus episodes planned too for our Patreon listeners. So for as little as a dollar per month, 
if you go to patreon.com slash Tissa podcast, you have access to all of our exclusive bonus episodes. There are a few up right now. There's an episode on, in which we cover Hocus Pocus. If you want to get into that Halloween spirit, since that's coming up quick, there's an episode in which we cover the movie Clue, which Tom had never seen before we watched it for the show. There's our extending of the Office Christmas episode and Harry Potter episode. And we have a lot of cool stuff coming up. We have Batman and Noel, all the new Christmas music, Christmas commercials, Friends Thanksgiving episodes, Office Halloween episodes. So lots of good stuff coming up. So don't be impish. Be admirable and be subscribe. Admirable and support our, pod, our Patreon. <laughs> I think we should do a live episode for Patreon in which we watch the tree lighting oh, ceremony. Oh, that'd be neat. I think that'd be fun. Oh. I like that idea a lot more than like the other terrible idea I had, which was the country music television's Christmas special. <laughs> that is a terrible idea. It's hosted I've... by an Oklahoman this year. Which one? Reba McIntyre. I love Reba McIntyre. I, I love that music, show. But her as a person, I love her. I do too. And I like her music and I love her show. I wish yeah. they would do a reunion so I could see what all the characters are. Oh, Me yeah. too. But yeah, I think that's something we should think about, covering that live, like doing a live feed or something, because a few listeners on Reddit have also brought up doing a live episode at some point. It'd be yeah. fun. It would be fun. Next week, we are continuing with Literary Month, and we are going to watch The Christmas Project, which is based on the books Chickens in the Headlights and Bullies in the Headlights by Matthew Buckley. Spoiler, we may not make it through these books, because I told the guys a few weeks ago Dude, these books are like gigantic, and I don't know if I have enough time to do that. But we will do our due diligence and try to read some of the books. <laughs> Is there a Sparknotes version we can do? I don't know. We need to check that out for sure. Um, the week after that, the piece de resistance, we will be covering Mickey's Christmas Carol, which is a retelling of something we haven't covered on here yet, have we? Charles Dickens, a crit. Oh, yeah, we have. Um, and we're going to have a super awesome guest host that week, Tim Babb from Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. Woohoo! That's going to be great fun. Way to end the month. Absolutely. Guys, we've had a, a long week. There are only 2,544 hours left until Christmas. Oof. I'll do you one better. 106 days until Christmas. Which is only 15 weeks. So it's not that long, guys. It's really not. Not at all. Time to get the stuff up. That's what she said. <laughs> the stuff. Okay. <laughs> what was it? Wasn't my best job. <laughs> <laughs> so do your homework, guys, and uh, let us know what you think of the Christmas train, the Christmas project, and the upcoming Nutcracker movie. Because we want to hear from you. So until next week, have a good one. Bye guys. Bye guys. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas everywhere you go. Take a look at the five and ten, glistening once again with candy canes and silver lanes aglow. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Toys in every store. But the prettiest sight to see is the holly that will be on your own front door. A pair of hop-along boots and a pistol that shoots is the wish of Barney and Ben. Dolls will talk and will go for a walk is the hope of Janice and Jen. And Mom and Dad can hardly...